perhaps three or four months, I was thinking we would discuss whatever devotees would like to discuss today. Is there anything particular? Any questions? That's why the schedule is now the japa begins at five. So there's absolutely no excuse for anyone to ever miss, miss japa. In the morning. And be attentive and awake. Late means between 10 and 11. The absolute latest, one should never have to ever take rest after 12. Then you still get f almost five hours rest. But practically any program we're back before 11. That means almost six hours rest. So this is no longer a valid excuse for anyone ever. We must rise for morning japa. We must be attentive, and we should not waste unnecessary time at night. If you have to take little rest during the day, then you must do it, but under all circumstances, we should be here for Japa in the morning. Srila Prabhupada said, you make advancement in Krishna consciousness according to the, the degree you accept responsibility on behalf of your spiritual master. This is the greatest illusion, and not only that, but it is a poison within our congregation to think that we can artificially imitate advanced devotees. Just like we were speaking last night, that some of our devotees, they want to be Paramhamsas, going to Vrindavan 
simply to be on your own is, according to our sampradaya, the Paramahamsa stage, which means beyond the regulative principles because you're so advanced. Huh? And we find that of our devotees who go there, they have no responsibility. They simply go to enjoy. They wander through the groves of Vrindavan, they go to the holy place, they read all kinds of books which give them all sorts of pleasures. Oh, I know this pastime, I know that pastime. They're not in Vrindavan. Vrindavan is revealed to a person who has surrendered to the lotus feet of his guru and who is willing to take all responsibility for guru. Those persons will never see Vrindavan until they become a little serious, come back to their guru's feet and surrender and be an obedient servant. They're simply seeing a superficial, artificial reflection of Vrindavan. You cannot see Vrindavan. You have to obediently serve Krishna and then Krishna reveals Vrindavan to you, wherever you are. So those who independently leave the responsibilities of their guru to go to the holy dham, they don't go to the holy dham at all. The people right here who are responsibly accepting austerities on behalf of their guru, they're actually on the path to Braja. They're on their way to Vrindavan. These other people are in a dream world. Krishna is not cheap. This is called sahajya, to take Krishna cheaply. And all the great acharyas condemn this sahajya mentality. Trying to take a position far more advanced than you are. Rupa Goswami explains, Adoshadatata sadhu sangodhaba janakriya At first there's a little faith. That faith is nourished by associating with devotees by accepting a spiritual master, Bhajana Kriya, and by be, being disciplined by him. This is the process. Gradually, anarthanavritti, all unwanted things are removed. Then there's, then there's nishta, strong faith. Then there's ruchi, which is actually experiencing the higher taste. Then you can get a glimpse of what is Vrindavan. That's a very high platform, very high. And we find that even in Vrindavan, those people who are bona fide sadhus, they are surrendered, accepting austerities and responsibly being disciplined and obeying their guru. Huh? The people who just go there just to wander through the groves and do what they want, they're going not to serve but to enjoy. This enjoying spirit is the very thing that's keeping us away from Krishna. Even to enjoy the holy dham is maya. We go to the holy dham to serve the holy dham. And how do we serve the holy dham, which is non-different than Krishna? By serving his representative, the spiritual master. It's much more difficult staying here. But, this is how we will be able to perceive the real Vrindavan. And what does it mean to stay here? It means to accept responsibility. 
to the degree we're willing to accept responsibility to that degree we will become mature devotees. We have a responsibility to chant every day, prescribed number of rounds. We have a responsibility to follow the four regulative principles. We have a responsibility to be humble and cooperate and put ourselves second to create unity amongst the Vaishnavas. We also have a great responsibility that in the Guru's mission that there are certain um, areas of service that our temple authorities are giving us and we will advance to the degree we take those things seriously not being lazy not thinking someone else will do it not being under the impression that let me get it over with this is your connection to Krishna, your service. You have to take it with a heart that is grateful and you have to be enthusiastic to do it as well as you possibly can. This accepting of responsibility is the basis of bhakti. Rupa Goswami tells us in the Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu that even in, one, even in the discharge of one's most ordinary daily activities, one must do it very consciously and very carefully, and one must put one's heart into it. The disciple that a guru is most pleased with is a disciple that the guru can depend upon. A useless disciple is he doesn't know whether he's going to do this or that. Maybe he's going to leave when things get bad. What pleases a guru when a disciple, when, it, when the spiritual master knows, come hell or high water, no matter what happens, this disciple is going to be there. Right where I want him to do his service. His mind, his senses, his family, the whole society, if a nuclear war comes, he's going to be right there doing his service. Spiritual master can only build his mission on the foundation blocks of such devotees. To the degree we're not dependable and steady and giving confidence to our guru that we're going to be there where he wants us, to that degree we're not like that, to that degree we're useless. And to the degree we're like that, to that degree we are truly assets to build his mission, Lord Chaitanya's mission. It is a fact. And this is where the real blessings of the spiritual master comes, when we become dependable, when he can trust. That when he gives us a service, he doesn't have to chase after us. Did you do it? Will you do it? He knows he's going to do it. He's going to give his life. He's going to try. Nothing's going to come in between him and the execution of his service. And that doesn't mean that the spiritual master must directly give you the service. That is a total disturbance if the guru has to, has to meddle in all management activities. If he can depend on you being the servant of the servant of the servant, he deputes particular servants who give instruction. If he knows that you are going to be carrying out the service of his servants, then you become the dearmost in his heart. So we have to learn to be dependable, not whimsical. We have to follow our Guru's 
desire, not our minds. And this austerity is performed by taking on responsibilities. The servant of the servant of the servant has told me I must do like this, I'm going to do it and I'm not going to change my ways and I'm not going to volunteer for anything else until I can see that I'm, I, it is a higher service coming from higher authorities that I should do something else. And I'm going to be dependable and responsible so I can help my guru. If we're not dependable and responsible, then the Vaishnavas have to go out of their way and leave their own service just to try to rescue me. We're distracting the mission. Huh? But if I'm dependable and I'm responsible in whatever I'm asked to do, rising in the morning, coming to the morning program, if I'm doing food for life, if I'm doing book, book distribution, if I'm pujari, whatever it may be, then the Vaishnavas and the spiritual master, they can build their service and they know that whatever I'm supposed to do is taken care of. I'm going to try my best. And the more devotees we have like that, who are responsible and willing to make sacrifices, to that extent this movement will grow. To that extent Maya cannot stop this movement. To that extent we will become empowered individually as well as united. So this is of the utmost importance. Don't take any service whimsically. If you're asked to change a light bulb, that changing of the light bulb is your path back to Godhood. Don't think, oh, it's a small thing, someone else will do it. He asked me, but someone else will do it. He asked me to do it now, but I'll do it tomorrow or the next day. Because it's not convenient now. Whatever little service you're given, you have to take that as your life and soul, and you have to be responsible. This is the way we make spiritual advancement. This is the way we become valuable assets to our Guru's mission, and this is the way we become dear to our spiritual master and dear to Sri Sri Radharani and Sri Lord Sri Krishna. Therefore, Prabhupada said, and I'll repeat again, that you make advancement in Krishna consciousness to the extent you accept responsibility in the mission of your Guru. We don't want useless devotees who just go off here and go off there thinking that they're advanced Babajis. They're not advanced Babajis, they're pretenders. They're cheap pretenders. They might be blissful, but bliss people are blissful going to the cinemas and going to the dance halls too. It doesn't mean they're advanced. And if tears roll from their eyes, according to Jiva, according to Bhakti Vinod Thakur, Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati, people who are not obediently serving the Guru, who shed tears when they're chanting the holy names, those tears wash away all the conclusive truths of the Vedas. They wash away our devotional propensities. But those who humbly and submissively obey the order of Guru and serve the Guru's order responsibly 
when they shed tears, not out of show, but out of natural devotion, humble devotion, those tears water. Water the fruit of love of God to grow. So we are not impressed by pretending Babaji's shedding tears, going around Vrindavan chanting Radhe Radhe. We give no distinction or dignity to such devotees because it's only a distraction. We give only distinction to those devotees who are humble, sincere, responsible to serve the mission of their guru and who are mature on the real path back home, back to Godhead, as ordained by the great Acharyas. And in order to do this, we have to be fixed, first of all, in the knowledge of the disciplic succession of Guru and Goranga. Therefore, we're reading books, and this is of utmost importance for each devotee. Srila Prabhupada, they have given us books specially meant for our self-realization, specially for our purification. Now, there are many other books by many other acharyas, by many other bona fide spiritual masters, and there are many books written by sahajas and imitationists that are not authorized. First of all, we should consult the senior Vaishnavas before taking any book outside of our own guru's line. Because we don't know. We're fools. There's one Hindi book that many, many of our brahmacharis have been reading and enjoying. And I went to one of, I, don't, I can't understand Hindi, I, don't, I can't make a comment on it. But I went to one of Prabhupada's dearest godbrothers, not godbrothers, but friends and associates, who Prabhupada said we should consult in these technical matters. I asked, he says, I know this book very well. It's written by a cheap imitationist and it should not be read by any descendant of Bhakti Siddhanta. And yet all of you are probably reading it, enjoying your senses and being polluted. What do you know? You don't know anything. Going beyond the limits of your guru is false pride, thinking I know what's best for me. And there are other books which are certainly bona fide books which are, have the same conclusions. But my question is, how have you first studied, learned, digested, and understood your own spiritual master's books? And your own Param Guru's books? These books may be bona fide and they may be very, very enlightening to us, but Let's go one step at a time. Srila Prabhupada sacrificed so much of their time and energy to write these books specially targeted toward your purification. We don't just mean reading them over and getting through and say, oh, I'm finished. We mean actually studying them and understanding them. How much reading time do you have? First of all, you should master these books. You should be able to quote them, you should be able to cite them in preaching. In any predicament of life, you should remember the instructions in them. You should learn them and be a scholar in these books first. 
then you can think of doing further research in other books for enlivenment, inspiration, and, and reference. I want to know, many of you are reading so many books, even more than Prabhupada's books. How have you really understood and learned these books? When we were in Vrajadham, one sadhu, a very good sadhu, was recommending one book about so many saints. He was saying it's so important to read stories about saints. So I looked at these two devotees I was with. They, were, they wanted to get this book. We should learn more about saints. Unless we know about, about the great acharyas and the great devotees, how will we understand Krishna? I named about 15 great devotees that Prabhupada tells wonderful stories about in Chaitanya Charitam, Charitamrita and Srimad Bhagavatam. I asked them to tell me, they could not tell me one story from any of those 15 names and I could have said 50 names. They couldn't tell me hardly anything about any of them. I said, write in your own spiritual master's books, write in your own home, write on your own bookshelf. For the last 10, 15 years, you have the most wonderful, direct, and the most important stories about the most important saints in our disciplic line. You know nothing about them, and you want to run and go find other books to read about saints. This is taking your guru cheaply. Therefore, other books by other bona fide Vaishnavacharyas that are authorized by your temple authority, this is what Brahmacharya means, they can be read, but they should be read very minimal in comparison to how much you are studying your own spiritual master's books. In my opinion, minimum one hour every day, our Brahmacharyas should be reading Prabhupada's books, studying, understanding, digesting. because these books will teach you how to get a real foundation and make spiritual advancement. Why do you take a guru to get direction from him? Hmm? And then after you really learn the stories, learn the philosophy, understand it, then for reference, yes, there are other books that are also very, very beautiful very spiritual and very high and very pure but there's nothing higher or purer than the books of your own guru that's the way you should feel in your own life that is your first priority otherwise our minds will simply be diverted in every other direction except surrender unless we really have a strong philosophical base brahmacharis should be learned in the scripture I want each and every one of you brahmacharis to make it a point to very, very carefully, scrutinizingly study Srila Prabhupada's books. And Prabhupada's books are translated in Marathi, they're translated in Hindi, and they're in English. They're even in Bengali. There's no excuse for any of us to say that we cannot read our Gurudev's books. Hmm? Yes.
So I would like you and Devamrita to Shamananda to come together and think of some way of further inspiring and giving people an understanding of the responsibility of reading their spiritual master's books. Huh? You can do this. This is a responsibility. It is an austerity and it is necessary. Especially for brahmacharis and sannyasis. It's essential. to the extent we want to remain children. There's no harm in that. But that's something we just do a little on the side if you want to do. That is not the basis of our reading. The basis of our reading is to hear from the Acharyas. You're not going to get purified by reading those. You're just going to get a little enjoyment maybe learn a few little stories. But the purification comes by studying the translations and the purports of the great Acharyas. That's where purification and knowledge comes. That's going to come through your own Guru Maharaj's books. Hmm? If they're actually based on the books of Prabhupada, then that is good. But that should not substitute for our studying his books. Because the movies do not include his purports. And Prabhupada said, 99% of the value of my books is in the purports. Because the translations, you'll never really understand what it means, unless you carefully study the purports. Therefore, in the Gaudiya Vaishnava Sampradaya, you will not find Acharyas simply translating. They will always translate with purport. Bhakti Siddhanta, Vishwanath Chakravarti Thakur, Vala David Yabhushan. They translated with an elaborate purport. Bhakti Vedanta Swami. With purport. And of the two, the purport is far more important because the translation is untouchable to your heart without the help of the explanation of the previous acharyas. Hmm? So therefore these movies only tell stories and even then they are not exactly what Prabhupada has said. So it's alright, there's no, we're not against it, but it's not going to really bring you to higher realizations. It can never be used as a substitute to studying the scriptures. I would say there are certainly better ways to utilize our time. But I'm not against it, if they're actually valid. But there's better ways to utilize our time.
what we have to know, the best songs are the songs of our parampara. They are the best. But sometimes we sing songs that many of them are simply Krishna's names that are written by Vaishnavas who we know that are authorized Vaishnavas that are not rasa basa or sahaja by nature but they are in local language people can respond so they are they are all right we are glorifying Krishna's name they are good but it should not be just done whimsically where any devotee just goes out looking for songs they should have they should be reviewed and be sanctioned by our senior devotees hmm? not just whimsically <clears throat> just like in Pune one of our senior devotees in public kirtan started singing a song which according to our sampradaya is rasa basa it's a song that's somewhat offensive because it's a popular song uh, we had to stop him in the middle of the kirtan we don't sing that song oh. Lord Chaitanya Mahaprabhu was very careful about this rasa basa in fact, there are many melodious songs in Vrindavan that are sung everywhere. And right in Chaitanya Charitamrita, Prabhupada says that these songs have a very beautiful, melodious, and poetic value, but they have very little, they have no spiritual value because they are mixing different moods and they are not accepted by the Acharyas. Hmm? Now, how do we know which is which? How do you know? Are you Acharya? Therefore, it is best when we accept from a, a source that we know are coming from uh, genuine, sincere Vaishnavas, and it should be with the sanction and the authority of higher devotees. But there's a special purification that we should always aspire for in the songs of our own acharyas like Narottam Das Thakur, Bhaktivinoda Thakur, Lodhjan. Personally, to me, no, no other songs can compare to them. But for the purpose of, of, of bringing everybody into a, uh, into a congregated spirit of understanding the glories of Kirtan, we sing many Hindi songs also. But in our heart, the songs of Narottam, Bhaktivinoda, Lodhjan Das, are incomparable. The realizations of those songs are untouchable. Untouchable means that they're so high and they're so deep and they're so they're so sweet with devotion. say that the songs that are in our songbook 
we can come together and make a songbook of songs we know are nice. Huh? We should not speculate. As you like. As you like. We are not concerned with professional singers. We are concerned with receiving our bhajans, our kirtans, our philosophy, not from entertainers who are speaking to millions of people, not for entertainers who are singing to millions of people, but we are concerned with people who are deeply rooted Vaishnavas, who are sincerely and honestly following in the footsteps of the previous acharyas. Such persons we receive inspiration and information from. Nobody else. It's good for grihastas. It's not good for brahmacharis. It's not good for brah either so much, but 
it won't hurt them too much. The brahmacharis will ruin your, it will turn your saffron into a lighter shade of white. Brahmachari means regulated. Huh? Yes, for if, if someone offers you some Mahaprasad, then you should honor a little, whenever it is, whenever they offer. You, you can honor a little bit, but as far as going out of your way to find Mahaprasad, at times that are unregulated to your eating schedule, that will what it is, is it's simply feeding the tendency for your tongue to continue to be uncontrolled. Jivarala late je iti uti doi shishnodara parayana krishna nahi pai. Chaitanya Mahaprabhu instructed Raghunath Das Goswami that he who simply chases after the satisfaction of his tongue, his belly, and his genitals cannot attain Krishna. Bhakti Vinod has said that tongue is the most voracious and uncontrollable and there's a straight line of all your senses and if you can control your tongue all your other senses will be controlled if you cannot control your tongue it's impossible to control your other senses and controlling the tongue means two things not to criticize others not to gossip but to only speak constructive Krishna Katha that's conducive to increasing our service and others service that is what we should speak and also we must control the tendency to taste nice foodstuffs. Prasad may be nice, that is all right to take, but we should take it at the times that we're regulated to take it. Otherwise if we just take it the whims of our tongue and the whims of our mind, we become a slave of our mind and a slave of our tongue. It is said that this human form of life is the boat that can, that can guide us across, that can bring us across the ocean of birth and death. And the spiritual master is the captain of the boat. He's directing how our body should act, how it should live. But as far as the boat itself, there is something called a rudder. Do you know what a rudder is? The boat may be as big as this room, and the rudder is only this big. It's on the bottom. It's shaped just like your tongue. It's flat. And according to the direction the rudder goes, the whole boat goes. According to how you control or don't control your tongue, that's how your whole life is directed or misdirected. Therefore, according to the direction of the captain, the spiritual master, the great sadhus, we must learn to control our tongue. Without that control of the tongue, we're simply a slave of our senses. Mahaprabhu says you cannot attain Krishna through that process. And Lord, and Raghunath Das Goswami asked Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, what are the duties of a person in the renounced order of life? Brahmacharya means renounced order of life. 
And his instruction was Gramya Katana Shunibe, Gramya Karatanakohibe, Balanakoibiyara Balanakoribe. Do not speak nonsense. Do not speak what the general populace is speaking. Gramya Kata, ordinary gossip. And never hear it. Gramya Kata Nashunibe, never hear it and never speak it. Do not eat luxurious foods, unregulated, and do not dress luxuriously. These are the basic principles for one in the renounced order. If you find that of this verse, not to speak or hear nonsense means to control the tongue. and not to eat unregulated too opulently. That is also the control of the tongue. Most of renunciation is the control of the tongue. And then what is the next verse? Amani na manadena kirtaniya Radha Krishna, the next verse he explains is one should offer all respect to others. One should expect no respect for oneself. One should always chant the name of Krishna, and in one's mind, one should always be engaged in serving Radha and Krishna Vrindavan. This, in sum and substance, is the duties of one in the renounced order. To be a humble servant, to chant the holy names, and to control one's speech and one's tongue, one's tendency for tasting. Otherwise, we become the slave of the senses. Any other questions? Possessiveness? For a grihasta, according to the Shastra, the way to counteract the very deeply strong tendency for possessiveness in the grihastha life is to give in charity to the Vaishnavas and the Brahmins, to the mission of the Guru. According to the Shastra, the first 50% you have, give it to your Guru's mission. And then, what, and then whatever else you have, maintain. That is the ideal standard. You'll never be possessive if you do that. Because the first priority with whatever you get goes to Guru and Krishna. Huh? If you cannot do 50%, you should aspire to come as close to that as possible. But that should be the first thing you do with your Lakshmi. Or your wealth, or whatever you have. Huh? Not that I'll take care of all my needs and then whatever little's left, we'll see. This is how a Grihastha is supposed to be trained according to the Shastra. And then you will not be possessive. So you should give in charity and you should also always be aspiring to be the humble servant of the servant. And very important that you're always looking up to those in the renounced order of life. To the, to the degree the Grihastas have respect for the dignity of the brahmacharis and the sannyasis. To that degree, they will advance properly in Krishna consciousness.
This has always been the teaching of the Prabhupada through his books. That there's very important for first class brahmacharis and grihastas. Because although grihastas might be very, very expert at whatever they do, oftentimes they're very, very expert. They may be expert managers, expert preachers, expert um, at giving donations and managing affairs, business, doctors, whatever. They will become proud and they will become possessive and they will become attached unless they have a very, very deep and high esteem for those in the renounced order of life. And they're, they're thinking, when will I become like that? And we find the great kings like Yudhisthira, who was more an expert grihastra than him? But when Narada Muni or some great soul would come, he would simply bow down and say, when will I become like you? You are really great. Look at me. Dasarat Maharaj, same thing. These are the real great grihastras. They might even be better than those in the renounced order of life. Ambarish Maharaj was thinking that way toward Durvas Muni. He was far, far more advanced than Durvas Muni. But his, but his humility was, as a grihasta, that when will I become like you? You're so renounced and so great. Huh? So that high esteem for those in the renounced order of life is, is a, a, a very, very essential ingredient within the heart, necessary within the heart of a grihasta. And therefore that high esteem must manifest in, in aspiring to be the humble servant of those in the renounced order of life. And as far as brahmacharis counteracting possessiveness, that comes by serving the other Vaishnavas, by keeping nothing for oneself, but being a servant. Whatever we keep, we should understand. It's like, it's like holding on when we're, when we're trying to swim in the ocean. It's like holding on to some heavy weight. Bhagavatam says when one is drowning in the ocean and, one, and, and he is attached to a beautiful golden crown, it might look nice and it might give him pride and prestige, but it only helps him sink faster and deeper. Nothing is ours. Everything is Krishna's. Aside for ourselves, we should know it's bondage. It's going to cause us suffering. About what? Family members like that? Possessiveness means that you, you are meant to protect them on behalf of your Guru and Krishna. They are not yours. They are not your slaves. They are not your servants. You are their servant. You may have to train them, you may have to discipline them, but in the mood of being their servant. Because they are Krishna's children. And Krishna has entrusted them on your, on his, he has entrusted them to you. But they are his sacred property. Therefore, you must always be in the mood of being the servant of all Vaishnavas, all family members, everyone. 
Sometimes you may have to serve them by just obediently following their order. Sometimes you may have to serve them by disciplining them, by giving them instruction. But the mood is always service because nothing is yours. It is the sacred property of God, every devotee. Huh? The temple president is the servant of the people who are under him. He doesn't think they are mine, they are my servants. He's serving them because they are, God, they are his guru's property. And he must engage them in, in, in guru's work. The father sees the children and the wife in the same spirit. And the wife must see the husband and the children in the same spirit. This is the essential necessity of all our relationships, that nothing is ours. We are the master over no one. This is ego. I am the servant. These people are my guru's property. They are more precious than me. I have a great responsibility in my relationship with them. Hmm? We are, not, we are not takers, we are givers. Even when we receive, we're actually giving them the chance to serve. We're not taking something from them. Huh? When we expect something for someone, we shouldn't expect it for ourselves. We should expect it for them. It's like when a doc, you're a doctor, when you expect someone to take medicine, is it for your good or his good? Devotional service is a medicine. Hmm? If someone is serving you as the representative of the guru, we should not expect it for ourselves, we should expect it for their benefit. It's the medicine that will heal them. Huh? That should be our spirit. Therefore, we're not attached. We have no personal attachment. But out of compassion, we, we diligently try to engage them in their, in their duty. A wife is meant to serve the husband, but the husband should not be proud thinking she's serving me. I'm rep by somehow or by some inconceivable arrangement, I'm supposed to be the representative of guru to this person. Therefore, in serving me, she's, she's actually purifying her own existence because she's serving Guru. It's not for me. I'm not attached to what she gives me. I'm only attached that she makes spiritual advancement. Huh? Then you're always in the mood of a servant, not an enjoyer. Huh? This we must cultivate, this consciousness being the servant of the servant. Yes? Think of Krishna. How to think of Krishna? By associating with devotees, 
by taking on some extra service if there's some need, by chanting extra rounds, by reading the, the, the Shastra. Engage that spare time in one of the nine processes of devotional service. Use your good intelligence of what the best way you can now serve Krishna and remember Krishna is. And if your good intelligence is in doubt, then you ask someone who is in a respected position, how could I best utilize at this time my spare time? Should I read? Should I chant? Is there some service I can offer? You can honor little. You can offer your prayers and honor a little. If you regulate your life so you're not, so you're planning, I'm going to have prasad tonight so I will not have it this time, then you have. But you can take the more simpler items. You don't have to take all the opulent items. You always have a choice. Huh? Well, if you're taking the prasad here, then you just take little, little. But don't take it as a justification to transgress the principle of controlling the tongue. Huh? That is dangerous. Yes. You mean if, if, if you're having problems, who you should consult? You should consult a person who you have faith is an advanced devotee who's going to properly represent your spiritual master's teachings. That should be your first choice. If you just consult everybody and anybody, you're going to get many opinions. Therefore, your first choice to be to consult someone who, who is really teaching and living what your Guru Maharaj is giving to you. Hmm? is according to who you're preaching to. 
Our philosophy is always one God. We are not a sectarian movement. There is one God. You have to preach in such a way that you are going to nourish that particular person's spirituality. You simply repeat what is in your Gurudev's books. Preaching means an expert preacher is Kaladesha Patra. He preaches according to the person, the place, and the time. He emphasizes different aspects of our philosophy. Hmm? What is the use of that? Taking shelter of other books that are not coming in parampara. Huh? Actually, most of our devotees speak English, and they could. Un it might be a little more difficult, but it's, it might be an austerity. But let them better. They perform a little austerity and get the real thing, and just enjoy the easiness of getting something that's not the true thing. Huh? Yes. We can discuss that later. Let us read our own Guru's books first. <laughs> I have nothing against that book. It's, I'm sure it's a nice book. It's approved by the Gaudiya Mission, no doubt. They're bona fide Vaishnavas. But the problem is, they're easier to read than our Guru's books. That may be. But that doesn't mean we should neglect our Guru's books because there's always going to be something easier than our Guru's books. Right? So let us take it as an austerity to study very carefully and understand our Guru's books. Not that, we t not that we emphasize other things because they're easier. There's a lot of things easy that we don't do because we're trying to be, remain because we're trying to be very, very strict in, in, in serving our spiritual master and understanding the basic principles of Krishna consciousness from him. Prabhupada's books in Hindi are understandable. Hmm? 
If that is honestly our situation, then we should listen to tapes, become very attentive in classes, or we should try to read. We should, we sh we should honestly make an attempt, because it's, it's, a, it's a great gift that our Guru has given us. Huh? But if we just have no inclination and we, we're just not able to, we're just falling asleep every time we try, then better you listen to tapes and you do some service. But most of us are not in that category. Huh? Any other questions? What for? By engaging me in your service. By engaging me in assisting you in service. It's divine grace, A.C. Bhaktivedanta Swami Prabhupada. If you allow me to assist you, that would be the greatest expression of your kindness upon me. Srila Prabhupada Ki Thank you very much.